0: Why is the hound considered a traitor by the forest creatures? Felix Salton, today on the Classic Tales Podcast. Welcome to the Classic Tales Podcast. Thank you for listening. The Classic Tales Podcast is listener-supported. If you enjoy listening to the Classic Tales please consider becoming a supporting member. It helps support the podcast, and it's a great way to build out your library of classics. By making a monthly donation of just $5, you'll receive a corresponding thank you code for an $8 discount off any audiobook order. Donate $10 a month or more, and you get a $17 discount. You win, and we get to keep going strong. Go now to classictalesaudiobooks.com and become a member today. We'd like to thank Spotify for being a partnering sponsor. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is recorded and proofed. The artwork is done as well. Now I have to record the pickups, drop in the edits, and do the final mixing of the audio, and blah, blah, blah. There's still a ways to go, but we're getting very close. Be sure to keep your subscription current as I'll be sending the entire audiobook to all current supporters. Next week, I'll announce what the next bonus title is going to be. I've already got it picked out and I'm already really excited to get started. If you're dying for some horror stories during Halloween season, app users can discover a scary story in the special features during the month of October. This week, we feature The White Maniac by Mary Fortune. Marcus Aurelius will continue in November. Now for our personal moment of the week. In the front of our house is a big horse chestnut tree. It like shades our whole front lawn, which isn't very big, but I mean, it's it's just, it's it's huge, it's big. Now, if you've never seen chestnuts on a tree, there, there's this green spiky pod and inside of it are these gorgeous chestnut-colored chestnuts, and uh, and the way, the way that they're they're released is at a certain time of the fall, they ripen to the point where the green pod expands just a little bit. It opens up, and then the the brown chestnuts inside fall out. Now years ago, like when the kids were little, Scylla started a kind of a tradition when she realized there's a certain day when It really works out well to do the chestnuts where she'd get all of the kids together. I was usually working on sets back at this point, Uh, but she would get all the kids together and they would go out in the front yard and they would get the fallen, smooth, nice brown chestnuts, which are perfect for throwing. And they would throw them up at the green pods, the green spiky pods still on the tree. And if they hit one... It was just that time of year when it was loose enough that they would open up and drop out more chestnuts, which they'd go then pick up and throw at the tree. So it's kind of like as close to sportsing as we get in our family. And it's kind of a tradition. So we did that this week. There was one day when all of the kids were home. They're older now. Two of them are in college. So it's a little trickier to get everybody together. But we went and we moved the car over so it wouldn't get hit underneath the tree. And we did the chestnuts. It was a lot of fun. I'm really bad at it. Everybody else is much better than I am. But that's neither here nor there. So that's our personal moment for the week. We did the chestnuts. And now, Bambi. Part 4 of 4. By Felix Salton. Chapter 18. Bambi went to look for the old stag. He roamed around all night long. He wandered till the sun rose and dawn found him on unbeaten trails without Feline. He was still drawn to Feline at times. At times he loved her just as much as ever. Then he liked to roam about with her, to listen to her chatter, to browse with her on the meadow or at the edge of the thicket. But she no longer satisfied him completely. Before... When he was with Feline, he hardly ever remembered his meetings with the old stag, and when he did, it was only casually. Now he was looking for him, and felt an inexplicable desire driving him to find him. He only thought of Feline between whiles. He could always be with her if he wanted to. He did not much care to stay with the others. Gobo or Aunt Ina he avoided when he could. The words the old stag had let fall about Gobo kept ringing in Bambi's ears. They made a peculiarly deep impression on him. Gobo had affected him strangely from the very first day of his return. Bambi didn't know why, but there was something painful to him in Gobo's bearing. Bambi was ashamed of Gobo, without knowing why. And he was afraid for him, again without knowing why. Whenever he was together with his harmless, vain, self-conscious, and self-satisfied gobo, the words kept running through his head. Poor thing. He couldn't get rid of them. But one dark night, when Bambi had again delighted the screech owl by assuring him how badly he was frightened, it suddenly occurred to him to ask, Do you happen to know where the old stag is now? The screech-owl answered in his cooing voice that he didn't have the least idea in the world. But Bambi perceived that he simply didn't want to tell. No, he said, I don't believe you. You're too clever. You know everything that's happening in the forest. You certainly must know where the old stag is hiding. The screech-owl, who was all fluffed up, smoothed his feathers against his body and made himself small. Of course I know he cooed still more softly. But I oughtn't to tell you. I really oughtn't. Bambi began to plead. I won't give you away, he said. How could I, when I respect you so much? The owl became a lovely, soft, grey-brown ball again, and rolled his big, cunning eyes a little, as he always did when he felt in a good humour. So you really do respect me? he asked. And why, pray? Bambi did not hesitate. "'Because you're so wise,' he said sincerely, "'and so good-natured and friendly besides. "'And because you're so clever at frightening people, "'it's so very clever to frighten people, "'so very, very clever. "'I wish I could do it. "'It would be a great help to me.' The screech-owl had sunk his bill into his downy breast and was happy. "'Well,' he said, "'I know that the old stag would be glad to see you.' ''Do you really think so?'' cried Bambi, while his heart began to beat faster for joy. ''Yes, I'm sure of it,'' the owl answered. ''He'd be glad to see you, and I think I can venture to tell you where he is now.'' He laid his feathers close to his body and suddenly grew thin again. ''Do you know the deep ditch where the willows stand?'' Bambi nodded yes. ''Do you know the young oak thicket on the farther side?'' "'No,' Bambi confessed. "'I've never been on the farther side. "'Well, listen carefully, then,' the owl whispered. "'There's an oak thicket on the far side. "'Go through that. "'Then there are bushes, hazel and silver poplar, "'thorn and shad bush. "'In the midst of them is an old uprooted beech. "'You'll have to hunt for it. "'It's not so easy to see it from your height "'as it is from the air. "'You'll find him under the trunk.' but don't tell him I told you. Under the trunk? said Bambi. Yes, the screech owl laughed. There's a hollow in the ground there. The trunk lies right across it, and he sleeps under the trunk. Thank you, said Bambi sincerely. I don't know if I can find it, but I'm very grateful anyhow. He ran quickly away. The screech owl flew noiselessly after him and began to hoot right beside him, Oi, oi! Bambi shrank together. Did I frighten you? asked the owl. Yes, he stammered, and that time he told the truth. The owl cooed with satisfaction and said, I only wanted to remind you again, don't tell him I told you. Of course not, Bambi assured him and ran on. When Bambi reached the ditch, the old stag rose before him out of the pitch-black night so noiselessly and suddenly that Bambi drew back in terror. I'm no longer where you are going to look for me, said the stag. Bambi was silent. What is it you want? asked the stag. Nothing, Bambi stammered. Nothing, excuse me, nothing at all. After a while the old stag spoke, and his voice sounded gentle. This isn't the first time you've been looking for me, he said. He waited. Bambi did not answer. The old stag went on. Yesterday you passed close by me twice, and again this morning, very close. Why, said Bambi, gathering courage, why did you say that about Gobo? Do you think that I was wrong? No, cried Bambi sorrowfully. No, I feel that you were right. The old stag gave a barely perceptible nod, and his eyes rested on Bambi more kindly than ever before. But why? Bambi said. I don't understand it. It is enough that you feel it. You will understand it later, the old stag said. Goodbye. Chapter 19 Everybody soon saw that Gobo had habits which seemed strange and suspicious to the rest of them. He slept at night when the others were awake. But in the daytime, when the rest of them were looking for places to sleep in, he was wide awake and went walking. When he felt like it, he would even go out of the thicket without any hesitation to stand with perfect peace of mind in the bright sunshine on the meadow. Bambi found it impossible to keep silent any longer. Don't you ever think of the danger? He asked. No, Gobo said simply. There isn't any for me. You forget, my dear Bambi, Gobo's mother broke in. You forget that he's a friend of Gobo's. Gobo can take chances that the rest of you cannot take. She was very proud. Bambi did not say anything more. One day Gobo said to him, You know, it seems strange to me to eat when and where I like. Bambi did not understand. Why is it strange? We all do it, he said. Oh, you do, said Gobo superiorly. But I'm a little different. I'm accustomed to having my food brought to me, or to being called when it's ready. Bambi stared pityingly at Gobo. He looked at Feline and Marina and Antina, they were all smiling and admiring Gobo. I think it will be hard for you to get accustomed to the winter, Gobo Feline began. We don't have hay or turnips or potatoes in the wintertime. That's true, answered Gobo reflectively. I hadn't thought about that yet. I can't even imagine how it would feel. It must be dreadful. Bambi said quietly, "It isn't dreadful. It's only hard. Well, Gobo declared grandly, if it gets too hard for me, I'll simply go back to him. Why should I go hungry? There's no need for that. Bambi turned away without a word and walked off. When Gobo was alone again with Marina, he began to talk about Bambi. He doesn't understand me, he said. Poor old Bambi thinks I'm still the silly little Gobo that I once was. He can never get used to the fact that I've become something unusual. Danger? What does he mean by danger? He means well enough by me, but danger is something for him, and the likes of him, not for me. Marina agreed with him. She loved him, and Gobo loved her, and they were both very happy. "'Well,' he said to her, "'nobody understands me the way you do.' But anyhow, I can't complain. I'm respected and honoured by everybody. But you understand me best of all. When I tell the others how good he is, they listen, and they don't think I'm lying, but they stick to their opinion that he's dreadful. I've always believed in him, said Marina dreamily. Really? Gobo replied airily. Do you remember the day when they left you lying in the snow? Marina went on. I said that day that sometime he'd come to the forest to play with us. No, Gobo replied, yawning. I don't remember that. A few weeks passed, and one morning Bambi and Feline, Gobo and Marina, were standing together again in the old familiar Hazel Thicket. Bambi and Feline were just returning from their wanderings, intending to look for their hiding place, when they met Gobo and Marina, Gobo was about to go out on the meadow. ''Stay with us instead,'' said Bambi. ''The sun will soon be rising, and then nobody will go out in the open.'' ''Nonsense,'' said Gobo scornfully. ''If nobody else will go, I will.'' He went on, Marina following him. Bambi and Feline had stopped. ''Come along,'' said Bambi angrily to Feline. ''Come along, let him do what he pleases.'' They were going on, but suddenly the jay screamed loudly from the far side of the meadow. With a bound, Bambi had turned and was running after Gobo. Right by the oak, he caught up with him and Marina. Did you hear that? he cried to him. What? asked Gobo, puzzled. Again the jay screamed on the far side of the meadow. Did you hear that? Bambi repeated. No, said Gobo calmly. That means danger, Bambi persisted. A magpie began to chatter loudly, and immediately after her, another, and then a third. Then the jay screamed again, and far overhead the crows gave warning. Feline began to plead, Don't go out there, Gobo. It's dangerous. Even Marina begged, Stay here. Stay here today, beloved one. It's dangerous. Gobo stood there, smiling in his superior way. Dangerous? Dangerous. "'What has that to do with me?' he asked. "'His pressing need gave Bambi an idea. "'At least let Marina go first,' he said, "'so we can find out.' "'He hadn't finished before Marina had slipped out. "'All three stood and looked at her, "'Bambi and Feline breathlessly, "'gobo with obvious patience, "'as if to let the others enjoy their foolish whims. "'They saw how Marina walked across the meadow step by step, "'with hesitant feet.' her head up. She peered and snuffed in all directions. Suddenly she turned like a flash with one high bound, and as though a cyclone had struck her, rushed back into the thicket. It is he, he, she whispered, her voice choking with terror. She was trembling in every limb. I, I saw him, she stammered. It's he. He's standing over by the alders. Come, cried Bambi. Come quickly. Come. Feline pleaded, and Marina, who could hardly speak, whispered, "'Please come now, Gobo, please.' "'But Gobo remained unmoved. "'Run as much as you like,' he said. "'I won't stop you. "'If he's there, I want to talk with him.' "'Gobo could not be dissuaded. "'They stood and watched how he went out. "'They stayed there, moved by his great confidence.' while at the same time a terrible fear for him gripped them. Gobo was standing boldly on the meadow, looking around for the alders. Then he seemed to see them and to have discovered him. Then the thunder crashed. Gobo leaped into the air at the report. He suddenly turned around and fled back to the thicket, staggering as he came. They still stood there, petrified with terror, while he came on. They heard him gasping for breath. And as he did not stop but bounded wildly forward, they turned and surrounded him and all took flight. But poor Gobo dropped to the ground. Marina stopped close to him, Bambi and Feline a little farther off, ready to flee. Gobo lay with his bloody entrails oozing from his torn flank. He lifted his head with a feeble twisting motion. Marina, he said with an effort, Marina He did not recognize her. His voice failed. There was a loud, careless rustling in the bushes by the meadow. Marina bent her head towards Gobo. He's coming, she whispered frantically. Gobo, he's coming. Can't you get up and come with me? Gobo lifted his head again feebly, with a writhing motion, beat convulsively with his hooves, and then lay still. With a crackling, snapping, and rustling, he parted the bushes and stepped out. Marina saw him from quite near. She slunk slowly back, disappearing through the nearest bushes, and hastened to Bambi and Feline. She looked back once again and saw how he was bending over and seizing the wounded deer. Then they heard Gobo's wailing death shriek. CHAPTER Twenty. Bambi was alone. He walked beside the water that ran swiftly among the reeds and swamp willows. He went there more and more often, now that he was staying by himself. There were few trails there, and he hardly ever met any of his friends. That was just what he wanted. For his thoughts had grown serious and his heart heavy. He did not know what was happening within him. He did not even think about it. He merely recalled things aimlessly, and his whole life seemed to have become darker. He used to stand for hours on the bank. The current that flowed round a gentle bend there occupied his entire thought. The cool air from the ripples brought him strange, refreshing, acrid smells that aroused forgetfulness, "'and a sense of trust in him. "'Bambi would stand and watch the ducks "'paddling companionably together. "'They talked endlessly to one another "'in a friendly, serious, capable way. "'There were a couple of mother ducks, "'each with a flock of young ones around her. "'They were constantly teaching their young ones things, "'and the little ones were always learning them. "'Sometimes one or the other of the mothers "'would give a warning.' Then the young ducks would dash off in all directions. They would scatter and glide away perfectly noiselessly. Bambi saw how the smallest ones, who could not fly yet, would paddle among the thick rushes without moving a stem that might betray them by swaying. He would see the small dark bodies creep here and there among the reeds. Then he could see nothing more. Later, one of the mothers would give a short call, and in a flash they would all flock around her again. In an instant they would reassemble their flotilla and go on cruising quietly about as before. Bambi marveled anew at it each time. It was a constant source of wonder to him. After one such alarm, Bambi asked one of the mothers, What is it? I was looking closely and I didn't see anything. It was nothing at all, answered the duck. Another time one of the children gave the signal, turning like a flash and staring through the reeds. Presently he came out on the bank where Bambi was standing. There wasn't anything, the young one replied, shaking its tail feathers in a grown-up way and carefully putting the tips of its wings in place. Then it paddled through the water again. Nevertheless, Bambi had faith in the ducks. He came to the conclusion that they were more watchful than he, that they heard and saw things more quickly. When he stood watching them, that ceaseless tension that he felt within himself at other times relaxed a little. He liked to talk with the ducks, too. They didn't talk the nonsense that he so often heard from the others. They talked about the broad skies and the wind and about distant fields where they feasted on choice tidbits. From time to time, Bambi saw something that looked like a fiery streak in the air beside the brook. Sreech! The hummingbird would cry softly, darting past like a tiny, whirring speck. There was a gleam of green, a glow of red, as he flashed by and was gone. Bambi was thrilled and wanted to see the bright stranger near, too. He called to him. Don't bother calling him, the sedge hen said to Bambi from across the reed clumps. Don't bother calling. He'll never answer you. Where are you? asked Bambi, peering among the reeds. But the sedge hen only laughed loudly from an entirely different place. Here I am. That cranky creature you just called to won't talk to anyone. It's useless to call him. He's so handsome, said Bambi. But bad, the sedge hen retorted from still another place. What makes you think him bad? Bambi inquired. The sedge hen answered from an altogether different place. He doesn't care for anything or anybody. Let anything happen that wants to. He won't speak to anybody, and never thanked anybody for speaking to him. He never gives anybody warning when there's danger. He's never said a word to a living soul. The poor, said Bambi. The sedge hen went on talking, and her cheery, piping voice "'sounded from the far side again. "'He probably thinks that people are jealous of his silly markings "'and doesn't want them to get too good a look at him. "'Certain other people don't let you get a good look at them either,' said Bambi. "'In a twinkling, the sedge hen was standing in front of him. "'There's nothing to look at in my case,' she said simply. "'Small and gleaming with water, she stood there in her sleek feathers, "'her trim figure restless, animated and satisfied.' I don't understand how people can stand so long in one spot, she called from the water, and added from the far side. It's tiresome and dangerous to stay so long in one spot. Then from the other side, she cried gaily once or twice. You have to keep moving, she cried happily. You've got to keep moving if you want to keep whole and hardy. A soft rustling in the grass startled Bambi. He looked around. There was a reddish flash among the bushes. It disappeared in the reeds. At the same time, a sharp, warm smell reached his nostrils. The fox had slunk by. Bambi wanted to cry out and stamp on the ground as a warning, but the sedges rustled as the fox parted them in quick leaps. The water splashed, and a duck screamed desperately. Bambi heard her wings flapping and saw her white body flash through the leaves. He saw how her wings beat the fox's face with sharp blows. Then it grew still. At the same moment, the fox came out of the bushes, holding the duck in his jaws. Her neck hung down limply, her wings still moving, but the fox paid no attention to that. He looked sideways at Bambi with sneering eyes and crept slowly into the thicket. Bambi stood motionless. A few of the old ducks had flown up with a rush of wings and were flying around in helpless fright. The sedge hen was crying warnings from all directions. The titmice chirped excitedly in the bushes, and the young orphan ducks splashed about the sedge, crying with soft voices. The hummingbird flew along the bank. Please tell us, the young ducks cried. Please tell us, have you seen our mother? Sorry, cried the hummingbird shrilly, and flew past Sparkling. What has she got to do with me? Bambi turned and went away. He wandered through a whole sea of goldenrod, passed through a grove of young beeches, crossed through old hazel thickets until he reached the edge of the deep ditch. He roamed around it, hoping to meet the old stag. He had not seen him for a long while, not since Gobo's death. Then he caught a glimpse of him from afar and ran to meet him, For a while they walked together in silence. Then the old stag asked, ''Well, do they still talk about him the way they used to?'' Bambi understood that he referred to Gobo and replied, ''I don't know. I'm nearly alone now,'' he hesitated. ''But I think of him very often.'' ''Really?'' said the old stag. ''Are you alone now?'' ''Yes.'' said Bambi expectantly. But the old stag remained silent. They went on. Suddenly the old stag stopped. Don't you hear anything? He asked. Bambi listened. He didn't hear anything. Come, cried the old stag, and hurried forward. Bambi followed him. The stag stopped again. Don't you hear anything yet? He asked. Then Bambi heard a rustling that he did not understand. It sounded like branches being bent down and repeatedly springing up again. Something was beating the earth dully and regularly. Bambi wanted to flee, but the old stag cried, Come with me, and ran in the direction of the noise. Bambi at his side ventured to ask, Isn't it dangerous? It's terribly dangerous, the old stag answered mysteriously. Soon they saw branches being pulled and tugged at from below and shaken violently. They went nearer and saw that a little trail ran through the middle of the bushes. Friend Hare was lying on the ground. He flung himself from side to side and writhed. Then he lay still and writhed again. Each of his motions pulled at the branches over him. Bambi noticed a dark, thread-like leash. It ran right from the branch to Friend Hare and was twisted around his neck. Friend Hare must have heard someone coming, for he flung himself wildly into the air and fell to the ground. He tried to escape and rolled, jerking and writhing in the grass. Lie still, the old stag commanded. Then sympathetically, with a gentle voice that went to Bambi's heart, he repeated in his ear, Be easy, Friend Hare, it's I. Don't move now. Lie perfectly still. The hare lay motionless, flat on the ground. His throttled breath rattled softly in his throat. The old stag took the branch between his teeth and twisted it. He bent down. Then he walked around putting his weight cunningly against it. He held it to the earth with his hoof and snapped it with a single blow of his antlers. Then he nodded encouragingly to the hare. Lie still, he said, even if I hurt you. Holding his head on one side, he laid one prong of his antlers close to the hare's neck and pressed into the fur behind his ear. He made an effort and nodded. The hare began to writhe. The old stag immediately drew back. Lie still, he commanded. It's a question of life and death for you. He began over again. The hare lay, still gasping. Bambi stood by, speechless with amazement. One of the old stag's antlers, pressing against the hare's fur, had slipped under the noose. The old stag was almost kneeling and twisted his head as though he were charging. He drove his antlers deeper and deeper under the noose, which gave at last, and began to loosen. The hare could breathe again, and his terror and pain burst from him instantly. Ugh! He cried bitterly. The old stag stopped. Keep quiet! He cried, reproaching him gently. Keep quiet. His mouth was close to the hare's shoulder. His antlers lay with a prong between the spoon-like ears. It looked as if he had spitted the hare, How can you be so stupid as to cry at this time? He grumbled gently. Do you want the fox to come? Do you? I thought not. Keep quiet, then. He continued to work away, slowly exerting all his strength. Suddenly the noose broke with a loud snap. The hare slipped out and was free. Without realizing it for a moment, he took a step and sat down again, dazed. Then he hopped away slowly and timidly at first, then faster and faster. Presently he was running with wild leaps. Bambi looked after him. Without so much as a thank you, he exclaimed in surprise. He's still terrified, said the old stag. The noose lay on the ground. Bambi touched it gently. It creaked, terrifying Bambi. That was a sound such as he had never heard in the woods. He, asked Bambi softly. The old stag nodded. They walked on together in silence. Take care when you're going along a trail, said the old stag. Test all the branches. Prod them on all sides of you with your antlers. And turn back at once if you hear that creak and when you've shed your antlers, be doubly cautious. I never use trails any more. Bambi sank into troubled thought. He isn't here, he whispered to himself in profound astonishment. No, he's not in the forest now, the old stag answered. And yet he is here, said Bambi, shaking his head. The old stag went on and his voice was full of bitterness. How did your gobo put it? Didn't gobo tell you he is all-powerful and all-good? He was good to gobo, Bambi whispered. The old stag stopped. Do you believe that, Bambi? He asked sadly. For the first time he had called Bambi by his name. I don't know cried Bambi, hurt. I don't understand it. The old stag said slowly, we must learn to live and be cautious. Chapter 21 One morning Bambi came to grief. The pale gray dawn was just creeping through the forest. A milky white mist was rising from the meadow, and the stillness that precedes the coming of light was everywhere. The crows were not awake yet, nor the magpies. The jays were asleep. Bambi had met Feline the night before. She looked sadly at him and was very shy. I'm so much alone now, she said gently. I'm alone too, Bambi answered with some hesitation. Why don't you stay with me anymore? Feline asked sorrowfully, and it hurt him to see the gay and lively Feline so serious and downcast. I want to be alone, he replied, and gently as he tried to say it, it sounded hard. He felt it himself. Feline looked at him and asked softly, Do you love me still? I don't know, Bambi answered in the same tone. She walked silently away from him, leaving him alone. He stood under the great oak at the meadow's edge and peered out cautiously, drinking in the pure and odorless morning air. It was moist and fresh from the earth, the dew, the grass, and the wet woods. Bambi breathed in great gulps of it. All at once his spirit felt freer than for a long time, He walked happily into the mist-covered meadow. Then a sound like thunder crashed. Bambi felt a fearful blow that made him stagger. Mad with terror, he sprang back into the thicket and kept running. He did not understand what had happened. He could not grasp a single idea. He could only keep running on and on. Fear gripped his heart so that his breath failed as he rushed blindly on. Then a killing pain shot through him so that he felt like he could not bear it. He felt something hot running over his left shoulder. It was like a thin, burning thread coming from where the pain shot through him. Bambi had to stop running. He was forced to walk slower. Then he saw that he was limping. He sank down. It was comfortable just to lie there and rest. Up, Bambi, get up. The old stag was standing beside him, and nudging his shoulder gently. Bambi wanted to answer, I can't. But the old stag repeated, Up! Up! And there was such compulsion in his voice, and such tenderness, that Bambi kept silent. Even the pain that shot through him stopped for a minute. Then the old stag said hurriedly and anxiously, Get up! You must get away, my son! My son! The words seemed to have escaped him. In a flash, Bambi was on his feet. Good, said the old stag, breathing deeply and speaking emphatically. Come with me now, and keep close beside me. He walked swiftly ahead. Bambi followed him, but he felt a burning desire to let himself drop to the ground, to lie still and rest. The old stag seemed to guess it, and talk to him without stopping. Now you'll have to bear every pain. You can't think of lying down now. You mustn't think of it even for a moment. That's enough to tire you in itself. You must save yourself. Do you understand me, Bambi? Save yourself, or else you are lost. Just remember that he is behind you. Do you understand, Bambi? And he will kill you without mercy." Come on, keep close to me. You'll soon be all right. You must be all right. Bambi had no strength left to think with. The pain shot through him at every step he took. It took away his breath and his consciousness. The hot trickle, burning from his shoulder, seared him like some deep, heartfelt trouble. The old stag made a wide circle. It took a long time. Through his veil of pain and weakness... Bambi was amazed to see that they were passing the great oak again. The old stag stopped and snuffed the ground. He's still here, he whispered. It's he, and that's his dog. Come along, faster. They ran. Suddenly, the old stag stopped again. Look, he said, that's where you lay on the ground. Bambi saw the crushed grasses where a wide pool of his own blood "'was soaking into the earth.' "'The old stag snuffed warily around the spot. "'They were here, he and his dog,' he said. "'Come along.' "'He went ahead slowly, snuffing again and again. "'Bambi saw the red drops gleaming on the leaves of the bushes and the grass stems. "'We passed here before,' he thought, but he couldn't speak. "Ah," said the old stag, and seemed almost joyful.' We're behind them now. He continued for a while on the same path. Then he doubled unexpectedly and began a new circle. Bambi staggered after him. They came to the oak again, but on the opposite side. For the second time they passed the place where Bambi had fallen down. Then the old stag went in still another direction. Eat that, he commanded suddenly, stopping and pushing aside the grasses he pointed to a pair of short, dark green leaves growing close together near the ground. Bambi obeyed. They tasted terribly bitter and smelt sickeningly. "'How do you feel now?' the stag asked after a while. "'Better,' Bambi answered quickly. He was suddenly able to speak again. His senses had cleared and his fatigue grew less. "'Let's move on again,' the old stag commanded after another pause. After Bambi had been following him for a long time, he said, At last. They stopped. The bleeding has stopped, said the old stag. The blood's stopped flowing from your wound. It isn't emptying your veins now, and it can't betray you anymore either. It can't show him and his dog where to find you and kill you. The old stag looked worried and tired, but his voice sounded joyful Come along, he went on. Now you can rest. They reached a wide ditch, which Bambi had never crossed. The old stag climbed down, and Bambi tried to follow him. But it cost him a great effort to climb the steep slope on the farther side. The pain began to shoot violently through him again. He stumbled, regained his feet, and stumbled again, breathing hard. I can't help you, said the old stag. "'You'll have to get up yourself.' "'Bambi reached the top. "'He felt the hot trickle on his shoulder again. "'He felt his strength ebbing for the second time. "'You're bleeding again,' said the old stag. "'I thought you would, but it's only a little,' he added in a whisper. "'And it doesn't make any difference now.' "'They walked very slowly through a grove of lofty beeches. "'The ground was soft and level.' They walked easily on it. Bambi felt a longing to lie down there, to stretch out and never move his limbs again. He couldn't go any further. His head ached. There was a humming in his ears. His nerves were quivering, and fever began to rack him. There was a darkness before his eyes. He felt nothing but a desire for rest and a detached amazement at finding his life so changed and shattered. He remembered how he had walked whole and uninjured through the woods that morning. It was barely an hour ago, and it seemed to him like some memory out of a distant, long-vanished past. They passed through a scrub oak and dogwood thicket. A huge, hollow beech trunk, thickly entangled with the bushes, lay right in front of them, barring the way. Here we are, Bambi heard the old stag saying. He walked along the beech trunk and Bambi walked beside him. He nearly fell into a hollow that lay in front of him. Here it is, said the old stag at the moment. You can lie down here. Bambi sank down and did not move again. The hollow was still deeper under the beech trunk and formed a little chamber. The bushes closed thickly across the top so that whoever was within lay hidden. You'll be safe here, said the old stag. Days passed. Bambi lay on the warm earth with the moldering bark of the fallen tree above him. He felt his pain intensify, and then grow less and less, until it died away more and more gently. Sometimes he would creep out, and stand swaying weakly on his unsteady legs. He would take a few steps to look for food. He ate plants now that he had never noticed before. Now they appealed to his taste, and attracted him by their strange, enticing, acrid smell. Everything that he had disdained before, and would spit out if it got accidentally into his mouth, seemed appetizing to him. He still disliked many of the little leaves and short, coarse shoots but he ate them anyway, as though he were compelled to, and his wound healed faster. He felt his strength returning. He was cured, but he didn't leave the hollow yet. He walked around a little at night, but lay quietly on his bed by day. Not until the fever had entirely left his body did Bambi begin to think over all that had happened to him. Then a great terror awoke in him and a profound tremor passed through his heart. He could not shake himself free of it. He could not get up and run about as before. He lay still and troubled. He felt terrified, ashamed, amazed, and troubled by turns. Sometimes he was full of despair, at others of joy. The old stag was always with him, At first he stayed night and day at Bambi's side. Then he left him alone at times, especially when he saw Bambi deep in thought. But he always kept close at hand. One night there was thunder and lightning and a downpour of rain, although the sky was clear and the setting sun was streaming down. The blackbirds sang loudly, and all the neighboring treetops, the finches warbled, the titmice chirped in the bushes, Among the grasses, or from under the bushes, the metallic, throaty cackling of the pheasants sounded at intervals. The woodpecker laughed exultantly, and the doves cooed their fervent love. Bambi crept out of the hollow. Life was beautiful. The old stag was standing there as though he expected Bambi. They sauntered on together. But Bambi did not return to the hollow or the old stag again. Chapter 22 One night, when the air was whispering in the autumnal fall of leaves, the screech-owl shrieked piercingly among the branches. Then he waited. But Bambi had spied him already through the thinning leaves and stopped. The screech-owl flew nearer and shrieked louder. Then he waited again but Bambi did not say anything. Then the owl could restrain himself no longer. Aren't you frightened? He asked, displeased. Well, Bambi replied, a little. Is that so? The screech owl cooed in an offended tone. Only a little. You used to get terribly frightened. It was really a pleasure to see how frightened you'd get, but for some reason or other you're only a little frightened now. He grew angrier and repeated, "'Only a little!' The screech owl was getting old, and that was why he was so much vainer and much more sensitive than before. Bambi wanted to answer. I was not never frightened before either. But he decided to keep that to himself. He was sorry to see the good old screech owl sitting there so angry. He tried to soothe him. "'Maybe it's because I thought of you right away,' he said. "'What?' said the screech-owl, becoming happy again. You really did think of me? Yes, Bambi answered with some hesitation. As soon as I heard you screech. Otherwise, of course, I'd have been as scared as ever. Really? cooed the owl. Bambi hadn't the heart to deny it. What difference did it make, anyhow? Let the little old child enjoy himself. I really did, he assured him, and went on. I'm so happy, for a thrill goes through me when I hear you so suddenly. The screech owl fluffed up his feathers into a soft, brownish-gray, downy ball. He was happy. It's nice of you to think of me, he cooed tenderly. Very nice. We haven't seen each other for a long time. A very long time, said Bambi. You don't use the old trails anymore, do you? the screech-owl inquired. No, said Bambi slowly. I don't use the old trails anymore. I'm also seeing more of the world than I used to, the screech-owl observed boastfully. He didn't mention that he had been driven from his old hereditary haunts by a pitiless younger rival. You can't stay forever in the same spot, he added. Then he waited for an answer. But Bambi had gone away. By now he understood almost as well as the old stag how to disappear suddenly and noiselessly. The screech-owl was provoked. It's a shame, he cooed to himself. He shook his feathers, sank his bill deep into his breast, and silently philosophized. You should never imagine you can be friends with great folks. They can be nice as pie, but when the time comes they haven't a thought for you and you're left sitting stupidly by yourself as I'm sitting here now. Suddenly he dropped to the earth like a stone. He had spied a mouse. It squeaked once in his talons. He tore it to pieces, for he was furious. He crammed the little morsel faster than usual. Then he flew off. What do all your great folks mean to me? he asked. Not a thing. He began to screech so piercingly and ceaselessly that a pair of wood-doves whom he passed awoke and fled from their roost with loud wing-beats. The storm swept the woods for several days and tore the last leaves from the branches. Then the trees stood stripped. Bambi was wandering homewards in the gray dawn in order to sleep in the hollow with the old stag. A shrill voice called him once or twice in quick succession, He stopped. Then the squirrel scampered down from the branches in a twinkling and sat on the ground in front of him. Is it really you? He shrilled, surprised and delighted. I recognized you the minute you passed me, but I couldn't believe. Where did you come from? asked Bambi. The merry little face in front of him grew quite troubled. The oak is gone, he said plaintively. My beautiful old oak, do you remember it? It is awful. He chopped it down. Bambi hung his head sadly. His very soul felt sorry for the wonderful old tree. As soon as it happened, the squirrel related, everybody who lived in the tree fled and watched how he bit through the trunk with a gigantic flashing tooth. The tree groaned aloud when it was wounded. It kept on groaning and the tooth kept gnawing. It was dreadful to hear it. Then the poor, beautiful tree fell out on the meadow. Everybody cried. Bambi was silent. Yes, sighed the squirrel. He can do anything. He's all-powerful. He gazed at Bambi out of his big eyes and pointed his ears. But Bambi kept silent. Then we were all homeless, the squirrel went on. I don't even know where the others scattered to. I came here. "'but I won't find another tree like that in a hurry.' "'The old oak,' said Bambi to himself. "'I knew it from the time I was a child.' "'Oh, well,' said the squirrel. "'But to think it's really you,' he went on delightedly. "'Everybody said you must be dead long ago. "'Of course there were some people now and then "'who said you were still alive. "'Once in a while someone said he had seen you, "'but nobody could find out anything definite.' and so I thought it was only gossip. The squirrel gazed at him inquisitively. Since you didn't come back anymore. Bambi could see how curious he was and how he was fishing for an answer. Bambi kept silent, but a gentle, anxious curiosity was stirring in him, too. He wanted to ask about Feline, about Aunt Ina and Rano and Karus, about all his childhood companions— but he kept silent. The squirrel still sat in front of him, studying him. "'What antlers!' he cried admiringly. "'What antlers! Nobody in the whole forest, except the old prince, has antlers like that!' Once Bambi would have felt elated and flattered by such praise. But he only said, "'Maybe.' The squirrel nodded quickly with his head. "'Really?' he said, surprised. "'You're beginning to get grey. Bambi wandered on. The squirrel perceived that the conversation was over and sprang through the bushes. Good day, he shouted down. "Goodbye. I'm very glad I met you. If I see any of your acquaintances, I'll tell them you're still alive. They'll all be glad. Bambi heard him and again felt that gentle stirring in his heart. But he said nothing. When he was still a child, the old stag had taught him that you must live alone. Then and afterwards the old stag had revealed much wisdom and many secrets to him. But of all his teachings, this had been the most important. You must live alone. If you wanted to preserve yourself, if you understood existence, if you wanted to attain wisdom, you had to live alone. But, Bambi had once objected, we two were always together now. Not for much longer the old stag had answered quickly. That was a few weeks ago. Now it occurred to Bambi again, and he suddenly remembered how even the old stag's very first words to him had been about singleness. That day when Bambi was still a child, calling for his mother, the old stag had come to him and asked him, Can't you stay by yourself? Bambi wandered on. CHAPTER Twenty Three. The forest was again under snow, lying silent beneath its deep white mantle. Only the crow's calls could be heard. Now and then a magpie's noisy chattering. The soft twittering of the titmice sounded timidly. Then the frost hardened, and everything grew still. The air began to hum with the cold. One morning a dog's baying! broke the silence. It was a continuous hurrying bay that pressed on quickly through the woods, eager and clear, and harrying with loud yelps. Bambi raised his head in the hollow under the fallen tree and looked at the old stag who was lying beside him. That's nothing, said the old stag in answer to Bambi's glance. Nothing that need bother us. Still, they both listened. They lay in their hollow, with the old beech trunk like a sheltering roof above them. The deep snow kept the icy draft from them, and the tangled bushes hid them from curious eyes. The baying grew nearer. It was angry and panting and relentless. It sounded like the bark of a small hound. It came constantly closer. Then they heard panting of another kind they heard a low, labored snarling under the angry barking. Bambi grew uneasy, but the old stag quieted him again. "'We don't need to worry about it,' he said. They lay silent in their warm hollow and peered out. The footsteps drew nearer and nearer through the branches. The snow dropped from the shaken boughs and clouds of it rose from the earth. Through the snow and over the roots and branches, The fox came, springing, crouching and slinking. They were right. A little, short-legged hound was after him. One of the fox's forelegs was crushed, and the fur torn around it. He held his shattered paw in front of him, and blood poured from his wound. He was gasping for breath. His eyes were staring with terror and exertion. He was beside himself with rage and fear. He was desperate and exhausted. Once in a while he would face around and snarl, so that the dog was startled and would fall back a few steps. Presently, the fox sat down on his haunches. He could go no farther. Raising his mangled forepaw pitifully, with his jaws open and his lips drawn back, he snarled at the dog. But the dog was never silent for a minute. His high, rasping bark only grew fuller and deeper. Here! he yapped. Here he is! Here! 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 He was not abusing the fox, he was not even speaking to him, but was urging on someone who was still far behind. Bambi knew as well as the old stag did that it was he the dog was calling. The fox knew it too. The blood was streaming down from him and fell from his breast into the snow, making a fiery red spot on the icy white surface and steaming slowly. A weakness overcame the fox. His crushed foot sank down helpless, but a burning pain shot through it when it touched the cold snow. He lifted it again with an effort and held it quivering in front of him. Let me go, said the fox, beginning to speak. Let me go. He spoke softly and beseechingly. He was quite weak and despondent. No, 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 the dog howled. "'the fox pleaded still more insistently. "'We're relations,' he pleaded. "'We're brothers, almost. "'Let me go. "'Let me die with my family, at least. "'We're brothers, almost, you and I. "'No, no, no!' the dog raged. "'Then the fox rose, "'so that he was sitting perfectly erect. "'He dropped his handsome pointed muzzle "'on his bleeding breast, "'raised his eyes, and looked the dog straight in the face. In a completely altered voice, restrained and embittered, he growled, "'Aren't you ashamed, you traitor!' "'No, no, no!' yelped the dog. But the fox went on. "'You turncoat, you renegade!' His maimed body was taut with contempt and hatred. "'You spy!' he hissed. You blaggard! You track us where he could never find us! You betray us, your own relations, me, who am almost your brother, and you stand there and aren't ashamed! Instantly, many other voices sounded loudly round about. Traitor! cried the magpie from the tree. Spy! shrieked the jay. Blaggard! "'The weasel hissed. "'Renegade!' snarled the ferret. "'From every tree and bush came chirpings, "'peepings, shrill cries, "'while overhead the crows called, "'Spy! Spy!' "'Everyone had rushed up, "'and from the trees, "'or from safe hiding places on the ground, "'they watched the contest. "'The fury that had burst from the fox "'released an embittered anger in them all, "'and the blood spilt on the snow,' "'that steamed before their eyes maddened them "'and made them forget all caution. "'The dog stared around him. "'Who are you?' he yelped. "'What do you want? "'What do you know about it? "'What are you talking about? "'Everything belongs to him, just as I do. "'But I love him. "'I worship him. "'I serve him. "'Do you think you can oppose him?' "'Poor creatures like you. (laughs) "'He's all-powerful. "'He's above all of you. "'Everything we have comes from him. "'Everything that lives or grows comes from him.' "'The dog was quivering with exultation. "'Traitor!' cried the squirrel shrilly. "'Yes, traitor!' hissed the fox. "'Nobody is a traitor but you. "'Only you!' The dog was dancing about in a frenzy of devotion. Only me, he cried. You lie. Aren't there many, many others on his side? The horse, the cow, the sheep, the chickens, many, many of you and your kind are on his side and worship him and serve him. they rabble, snarled the fox, full of a boundless contempt. Then the dog could contain himself no longer, and sprang at the fox's throat. Growling, spitting, and yelping, they rolled in the snow, a writhing, savagely snapping mass from which fur flew. The snow rose in clouds and was spattered with fine drops of blood. At last the fox could not fight any more. In a few seconds he was lying on his back, his white belly uppermost. He twitched and stiffened and died. The dog shook him a few times, then let him fall on the trampled snow. He stood beside him, his legs planted, calling in a deep, loud voice, Here! Here! He's here! The others were horror-struck, and fled in all directions. Dreadful, said Bambi softly to the old stag in the hollow. The most dreadful part of all, the old stag answered, is that the dogs believe what the hound just said. They believe it. They pass their lives in fear. They hate him and themselves. And yet they'd die for his sake. Chapter 24 The Cold Broke and there was a warm spell in the middle of the winter. The earth drank great draughts of the melting snows, so that wide stretches of soil were everywhere visible. The blackbirds were not singing yet, but when they flew from the ground where they were hunting worms, or when they fluttered from tree to tree, they uttered a long-drawn joyous whistle that was almost a song. The woodpecker began to chatter now and then. Magpies and crows grew more talkative. The titmice chirped more cheerily, and the pheasants, swooping down from their roosts, would stand in one spot, preening their feathers and uttering their metallic, throaty cacklings. One such morning, Bambi was roaming around as usual. In the grey dawn he came to the edge of the hollow. On the farther side, where he had lived before, something was stirring. Bambi stayed hidden in the thicket and peered across. A deer was wandering slowly to and fro, looking for places where the snow had melted and cropping whatever grasses had sprung up so early. Bambi wanted to turn at once and go away, for he recognized Feline. His first impulse was to spring forward and call to her, but he stood as though rooted to the spot. He had not seen Feline for a long time. His heart began to beat faster. Feline moved slowly as though she were tired and sad. She resembled her mother now. She looked as old as Aunt Ina, as Bambi noticed with a strangely pained surprise. Feline lifted her head and gazed across as though she sensed his presence. Again, Bambi started forward, but he stopped again, hesitating and unable to stir. He saw that Feline had grown old, and grey. Gay, pert little Feline. How lovely she used to be, he thought, and how lively. His whole youth suddenly flashed before his eyes. The meadow, the trails where he walked with his mother, the happy games with Gobo and Feline, the nice grasshoppers and butterflies, the fight with Carus and Rano when he had won Feline for his own, He felt happy again, and yet he trembled. Feline wandered on, her head drooped to the ground, walking slowly, sadly, and wearily away. At the moment Bambi loved her with an overpowering, tender melancholy. He wanted to rush through the hollow that separated him from the others. He wanted to overtake her, to talk with her, to talk to her about their youth and about everything that had happened. He gazed after her as she went off, passing under the bare branches, till finally she was lost to sight. He stood there a long time, staring after her. Then there was a crash like thunder. Bambi shrank together. It came from where he was standing, not even from a little way off, but right beside him. Then there was a second thunderclap, and right after that, another. Bambi leaped a little farther into the thicket, then stopped and listened. Everything was still. He glided stealthily homewards. The old stag was there before him. He had not lain down yet, but was standing beside the fallen beech trunk expectantly. Where have you been so long? He asked so seriously that Bambi grew silent, Did you hear it? The old stag went on after a pause. Yes, Bambi answered. Three times. He must be in the woods. Of course. The old stag nodded and repeated with a peculiar intonation. He is in the woods, and we must go. Where? The word escaped, Bambi. Where he is now said the old stag, and his voice was solemn. Bambi was terrified. Don't be frightened, the old stag went on. Come with me, and don't be frightened. I'm glad that I can take you and show you the way. He hesitated, and added softly, Before I go. Bambi looked wonderingly at the old stag, and suddenly he noticed How aged he looked. His head was completely grey now. His face was perfectly gaunt. The deep light was extinguished in his eyes, and they had a feeble, greenish luster, and seemed to be blind. Bambi and the old stag had not gone far before they caught the first whiff of that acrid smell that sent such dread and terror to their hearts. Bambi stopped for the old stag went on directly towards the scent. Bambi followed hesitantly. The terrifying scent grew stronger and stronger, but the old stag kept on without stopping. The idea of flight sprang up in Bambi's mind and tugged at his heart. It seethed through his mind and body and nearly swept him away, but he kept a firm grip on himself and stayed close behind the old stag. Then a horrible scent grew so strong that it drowned out everything else, and it was hardly possible to breathe. Here he is, said the old stag, moving to one side. Through the bare branches, Bambi saw him, lying on the trampled snow, a few steps away. An irresistible burst of terror swept over Bambi, and with a sudden bound he started to give in to his impulse to flee. Halt! he heard the old stag calling. Bambi looked around and saw the stag standing calmly where he was lying on the ground. Bambi was amazed and moved by a sense of obedience, a boundless curiosity and quivering expectancy, he went closer. Come near, said the old stag. Don't be afraid. He was lying with his pale, naked face turned upwards, his hat a little to one side on the snow. Bambi, who did not know anything about hats, thought his horrible head was split in two. The poacher's shirt, open at the neck, was pierced where a wound gaped like a small red mouth. Blood was oozing out slowly. Blood was drying on his hair and around his nose, a big pool of it lay on the snow which was melting from the warmth. We can stand right beside him, the old stag began softly, and it isn't dangerous. Bambi looked down at the prostrate form, whose limbs and skin seemed so mysterious and terrible to him. He gazed at the dead eyes that stared up sightlessly at him. Bambi couldn't understand it all. Bambi, the old stag went on. Do you remember what Gobo said and what the dog said? What they all think? Do you remember? Bambi could not answer. Do you see, Bambi? The old stag went on. Do you see how he's lying there, dead? like one of us? Listen, Bambi. He isn't all-powerful, as they say. Everything that lives and grows doesn't come from him. He isn't above us. He's just the same as we are. He has the same fears, the same needs, and suffers in the same way. He can be killed like us, and then He lies helpless on the ground, like all the rest of us, as you see him now. There was a silence. Do you understand me, Bambi? asked the old stag. I think so, Bambi said in a whisper. Then speak, the old stag commanded. Bambi was inspired and said, trembling there is another who is over us all, over us and over him. Now I can go, said the old stag. He turned away, and they wandered side by side for a stretch. Presently, the old stag stopped in front of a tall oak. Don't follow me any further, Bambi, he began with a calm voice. My time is up. Now I have to look for a resting place. Bambi tried to speak. Don't, said the old stag, cutting him short. Don't. In the hour which I am approaching, we are all alone. Goodbye, my son. I loved you dearly. CHAPTER Twenty Five. Dawn of the summer's day came hot, without a breath of wind or the usual morning chill. The sun seemed to come up faster than usual. It rose swiftly and flashed like a torch with dazzling rays. The dew on the meadows and bushes was drawn up in an instant. The earth was perfectly dry, so that the clods crumbled. The forest had been still from an early hour. Only a woodpecker hammered now and then, or the doves cooed their tireless, fervid tenderness. Bambi was standing in a little clearing, forming a narrow glade in the heart of the thicket. A swarm of midges danced and hummed around his head in the warm sunshine. There was a low buzzing among the leaves of the hazel bushes near Bambi, and a big may-beetle crawled out and flew slowly by. He flew among the midges, up and up, until he reached treetops where he intended to sleep till evening. His wing covers folded down hard and neatly, and his wings vibrated with strength. The midges divided to let the may-beetle pass through, and closed behind him again. His dark brown body over which shone the vibrant, glassy shimmer of his whirring wings, flashed for a moment in the sunshine as he disappeared. Did you see him? The midges asked each other. That's the old May beetle, some of them hummed. Others said, all of his offspring are dead. Only one is still alive. Only one. How long will he live? A number of midges asked. The others answered, we don't know. Some of his offspring live a long time. They live forever, almost. They see the sun thirty or forty times. We don't know exactly how many. Our lives are long enough, but we see daylight only once or twice. How long has the old beetle been living? Some very small midges asked. He has outlived his whole family. He's as old as the hills, as old as the hills. He's seen more and been through more in this world than we can even imagine. Bambi walked on. Midge-buzzings, he thought. Midge-buzzings. A delicate, frightened call came to his ears. He listened and went closer, perfectly softly, keeping among the thickest bushes and moving noiselessly as he had long known to do. The call came again, more urgent, more plaintively. Fawn's voices were wailing, Mother! Mother! Bambi glided through the bushes and followed the calls. Two fawns were standing side by side in their little red coats, a brother and sister, forsaken and despondent. Mother! Mother! they called. Before they knew what had happened, Bambi was standing in front of them. They stared at him speechlessly. Your mother has no time for you now, said Bambi severely. He looked into the little brother's eyes. Can't you stay by yourself? He asked. The little brother and sister were silent. Bambi turned, and gliding into the bushes, disappeared before they had come to their senses. He walked along. The little fellow pleases me, he thought. Perhaps I'll meet him again when he's larger. He walked along. The little girl is nice too, he thought. Feline looked like that when she was a fawn. He went on and vanished in the forest. This is B.J. Harrison. I hope you have enjoyed this unabridged production of Bambi, Part 4 of 4, by Felix Salton. If you have enjoyed this book, please become a supporting member of the Classic Tales at classictalesaudiobooks.com. You'll find many ways of supporting us, starting at only $5 a month. Each donation comes with a monthly thank you code for expanding your Classic Audiobook Library. Please become a member today.